Welcome to an honest conversation on health, serving up discussion and perspective about what health really is. Your health, your responsibility. There's simply no way around it. It's time to own it. You have what it takes. All you need is the knowledge. That's where I come in. I'm your host, Julie Brown. I love this shit. With a nerd's eye view, I'll share the knowledge and help you bring it to life with conscious action, love, and laughter. You've got this. Hey, everyone. Welcome to today's episode, The Many Faces of COVID. The intention of today's podcast is to bring to you an image of what COVID as a mild, moderate, and severe experience can look like so that you can recognize it in yourself, your loved ones, your community, and also to give you a few tools to know how to respond to each of those different scenarios and and offer support. There's a, a few key pieces of information that you need really to know what it looks like so that you know how to respond when things are turning south, what to do immediately, and at what point then to um, seek care. You know, on that front, if you think you need to go, you probably do. Trust your instincts. If you're wrong, it's better to be wrong in going than not going. But there are a lot of things you can do to make sure that we minimize our need for that level of care. But people need this information at home. They need it at their fingertips. And you need actually to prepare yourself beforehand. Vaccine status aside, there are many viruses in this world. And the vaccines don't stop infection entirely. So that, that protection of stopping infection wanes after a few months. So you still need to be aware and you still need to be responsive. And at the end of the day, this is actually just about good health practices anyway. So I think it's um, wise to invest in your health, but I'm not here to persuade you of that because the reality is life will at some point. I can only wish for people that they realize the importance of their health long before they find themselves in crisis. So chances are, if you're listening to this, this is not you, but you know these people. Okay, let's get to the crux of this episode. I have a guest joining me who is going to share with us her experience and family's experience with COVID. We're lucky to have her. Well, thank you very much for being here today to share with us your lived experience and the lived experience of your extended family and network with navigating COVID. Thanks for having me, Julie. I really appreciate it. I feel like this is a conversation that is um, important to have, so I'm happy to share our experience with you. Um, so about a month, it's probably more like a month and a half ago, um, we ended up contacting COVID and it sort of swept through our um, a lot of our family and friends. And um, it was there was probably about 14 of us that ended up contacting it um, in the first time here. And we ranged in, in all different ages. So uh, it was really interesting for us to see how it affected the different age categories um, and how it was treated and how they came out of it. Um, and then recently, uh, there's been some spread going through Alberta and some of my um, close 
friends have all been affected, so I seem to have been gathering even more data about how it affects different age categories. So I thought this morning I would um, start with how it affected um, the children, mm -hmm. specifically to begin. So in um, our network of friends, we had a 10-month-old infant who uh, had no symptoms. And my little niece, uh, 15 months old, she had some diarrhea and a bit of a fever, but she was also pushing a molar, so we can't be certain if that was COVID or not. But it was presenting at the same time that we did have um, COVID as the adults. Um, there was a three-year-old that didn't have any any symptoms, and um, my, my um, friend's daughter uh, was four. She had a fever and a bit of a runny nose for two days. Um, her six-year-old daughter had a sore throat with a fever for two days. Um, my seven-year-old, she had uh, just a, a strong stomach pain in the night one night. Um, and by the morning it was gone. That was the only thing that she ever presented with. Um, my eight-year-old, he had a fever for um, about three days on and off, but was um, generally fine. We had uh, two different nine-year-olds. Uh, one of the girls had some aches and fever. Um, she also had a headache and hers lasted for four days. So she probably had it the worst for the kids. Um, uh, another boy, he didn't have anything but a fever for about a day or two. Um, and then we had a couple of 11-year-olds, my son, he had strong stomach pains as well. I don't know why two of my kids had, they presented um, with stomach issues. So he had strong stomach pains for about four days. And, um, but it really didn't affect, he didn't have any fevers or any other symptoms, just the stomach pains. And then my uh, girlfriend's 11 year old daughter, she had a fever and uh, aches and pains in a sore throat. So overall, for all of the children, ages 10 months to 11 years was our kind of range. Um, nothing lasted more than four days. And um, in talking with all of my, my family and friends, it was nothing that was scary. There, there was nothing that was frightening about it. It was nothing that we hadn't kind of seen before. And I think that that was really, that's really an important thing to get out that the kids really were not severely affected by COVID. Um, then there's the, the next category of people that we had was sort of an age range from um, late 20s to mid 30s. I think we're mostly in that age category. Now, um, of course, we had much different symptoms than the kids in that it lasted longer and was a more severe, for sure. Um, I think a lot of us presented initially with a sore throat. Um, I think that was definitely my first symptom, was just a bit of a sore throat. And so between all of us, some of us, we all, we all had different symptoms, but, you know, they all sort of overlapped a little bit. So some of us had diarrhea um, a little bit. Um, most of us ended up losing our sense of smell and taste. And this, some of it, for some of us, it lasted like a day and others it's even long lasting now. I think there's still maybe one or two of us that's not 100% sure that their taste is back to normal. Um, general aches and pains 
And a big one for some of my friends was like extreme fatigue. They're just really down and out for, um, you know, four or five days. Um, fever and chills. My husband had fever. Um, I didn't. And um, I don't think my sister had any, but there was definitely, that was definitely sort of a symptom that went through some of our friends. Uh, I actually had nausea, which I think was kind of unique to me. I don't know if any of the rest of them really presented with stomach aches, which was also something that my children presented. So I don't know if that was just a strain that we had. I'm not really sure why. Um, and then some of us had a cough. I, I don't remember having a cough, but definitely... Um, a chesty cough. My sister-in-law says that that was sort of one of her big ones. Um, I would say for this age category, um, the the severe symptoms, the, the days where we were really down and out and like non-functioning in society were really uh, two to four days was max, are really severe symptoms. Um, but then our sort of mediocre, long lasting symptoms, just generally feeling unwell, I would say for the lasted another two to four days. So overall, I would say for that age category, we were all like sick, feeling unwell between a week and 10 days it was sort of from the top to the bottom, the, the beginning to the end throughout. So, um, and not really anything frightening or scary for us. I don't think any of the symptoms that we had were anything that we hadn't experienced before. Maybe the combination of them was different. And um, the, the loss of smell and taste was something kind of unique. Um, but I would say that none of, like maybe it was a little bit longer than what would normally happen. Usually if you have a flu, you're out sick a couple of days and you're up and going again. So this lasted a little bit longer but really nothing that um, was too frightening as far as I feel like there's a lot of fear that goes with the term COVID-19. So we didn't experience anything fearful. Um, however, then we can go into the high risk category, which um, consists mostly of my parents. Um, they're in their mid sixties. And um, I have an uncle and aunt who also are just recovering now in Alberta, and we've been in contact with them about their experience, and they are in their 50s. Um, so their experience was a slightly different than those of us in the younger generation, in that it was um, a longer time period, longer time frame that it lasted. The symptoms were similar and yet maybe a little bit more severe and um, especially in my dad's case well and my uncle as well um, they really had the their their oxygen stats were really affected by it and so in dad that ended in hospitalization unfortunately um, but we did learn a lot through it um, I think my mom had lots of dizziness and weakness. Um, they had fever, chills, diarrhea. Um, what mom describes is just a bad taste in her mouth um, and really no appetite, just being generally tired and having a lot of brain fog. So that was sort of a new one, I think, for a lot of us is this term brain fog and really 
especially mom, she, she walked around sort of like a zombie for a few days, just sort of not being able to connect the dots or to concentrate on a task, which is really highly unusual for her. So um, that was really that age category and it lasted much longer than our younger generation. So we were between seven and 10 days. I would say they lasted uh, probably more like 10 days to 30. Like it was nearly a month. I think dad's out of it now and it's been a, a month since he started presenting symptoms. So it was just a much longer episode and um, just more severe than us. So that's sort of our, our experience in our different age categories. I really appreciate the point where you say you learned a lot, right? Because we do know there's a strat risk stratification with COVID. And I think this picture paints it fairly um, accurately. Of course, there are outliers and we'll talk about that later. Um, but tell me what you guys learned specifically about your dad. And I think it's important to highlight at what point in that process did his symptoms turn from, you know, cruising along to bad? At what point did he need to be hospitalized? And what did you learn that maybe you feel now, if you'd implemented, might have changed the course? Yeah, that's that's great. We learned so much through this experience. Um, I felt like over the last 18 months, I've done a lot of research and I felt somewhat prepared for when we would get COVID. I sort of assumed that we would at some point and I had done a lot of research. I had a list of things that I, I knew that we would use when we it came to our turn. And so in that list of things was, um, of course, vitamin D, vitamin D3 specifically. And we were all taking that. I think we all started when the pandemic hit, we all started just upping our vitamin D3 intake, at least for my specific um, immediate family. Um, we also understood the importance of having vitamin C and the importance of zinc. So those were three things that we, we were aware of and we had on hand for if this ever did happen to us. Um, as So once we discovered that it, it was in fact COVID, um, we all were taking these different supplements and we learned along the way about a really important one called um, quercetin, I think is how you say it, um, which from from what I understand was sort of like the mechanism to get the zinc into the cells where the zinc needs to be. And so um, we just picked that up locally at the health food store. And so in combination, those those vitamins and supplements that we took, I felt like really, really helped us. Um, for dad specifically, he, he was doing okay. And I think uh, the younger us younger generation we we got it ahead of him and so we all sort of had it we had a couple of days down and out and then we were sort of bouncing back and then dad got sick and we were like yeah okay it's your turn like lucky you and um so he was sick for a few days down and out and then he would sort of make a recovery and we think okay he's on his way back this is good he's kind of through the worst of it now and on day nine I think day nine was was really where he made a turn for the worse. So day, day eight was a Sunday. He was up and about. He ate a little bit at the table. He was conversing with us. We were we were all there as a family together. And um, 
then Monday came along and and he was not well. He was back in bed and we thought, well, maybe he overdid it a little bit on Sunday. Maybe we just, we were all there and maybe we just overdid it. So Monday we just thought, well, we'll just let him rest. And so he did. He laid in bed all day Monday. I don't know if he moved. I, I don't know if he ate anything on Monday. And I feel like that was the critical moment that we missed. I think if we had known the things that we know now and started implementing them on that day, I feel like it would have changed the trajectory of where we ended up. Um, because on Tuesday, he was no better. In fact, uh, after the fact, he was telling me that on Tuesday, he couldn't even lift his head from the pillow. I, uh, we weren't around those days. And so I, I did not understand how, how truly ill he was. Um, so Tuesday was a bad day. And at that point, mom said, I wonder if we should take him to the hospital now. Um, because of our, our vaccination status, we were a little bit hesitant to go to the hospital. I think we were a little nervous about how we would be perceived and possible discrimination. And so we just thought, you know, we don't want to add to the fear. We don't want to add to, to the fire. We'll just stick it out and see how he does. And so really Wednesday we took him in and he he needed to be there he needed to be there on Monday or Tuesday like he he was really in a bad way at that point so um I would say the the most the thing that we learned the most that has the most value um I think in all of this was learning about prone position which is basically just laying on your stomach and um on Friday, when the physios came to visit dad in the hospital, they taught him this technique of laying on his stomach. Very, very simple. Just laying on the stomach and putting different pillows in places to make sure that he was comfortable. And and then, of course, just doing thoughtful breathing. So um, I, I would count along with him and help him to breathe. I even did a recording. Um, now we know about this breathing app that... Um, it's just incredibly helpful. Um, had we known that then, it would have been very useful. Uh, if we had known about prone position, I feel like if we had got dad laying on his stomach on Monday, I think that that would have really turned him around. And um, I think that now, but I almost, um, almost have proof that it would have because this next week, my uncle and aunt ended up contacting COVID in Alberta. And uh, my uncle expressed to my aunt that he felt like he needed to be taken to the hospital. And so they called us up in a panic because they knew that we had just gone through this. And what can we do? How can we help? How can we help? How, what, what can you give it? What advice can you give us? And so, of course, I jumped on it and said, get him on his stomach, get him on his stomach and get him breathing thoughtfully and slowly and deeply and um because um I th obviously at that time they actually did get like a pulse odometer and they were testing I don't know how accurate those home ones are but his his oxygen levels were low and so they were concerned and they didn't want to take him in and so we got him on his stomach and we monitored him uh, we texted them throughout those two days how is he doing and he continued to be on his stomach and then moving to his sides and getting up and trying to to move as much as possible to make sure like with dad, dad had um, pneumonia. He ended up getting pneumonia because I think he was 
in the same spot for too long. And so we really emphasized that uncle needed to get up and he needed to be going and he needed to be moving. And so, you know, two days later, he's up and about and back to farming. Like his stats were tremendously, like had improved tremendously from the last two days. I think they were, they were clocking him at like 90 on those days. And he's back up to 96, two days later, just from laying on his stomach and doing these breathing exercises. I mean, I know for sure he was taking vitamin D and vitamin C. I know they had zinc. I know they had quercetin. And I know that they had a couple of different essential oils that they were doing with him. And they were doing some other things as well. Um, but regardless, all of the things that they were doing in combination with the prone position and the breathing um, pulled him right out of it. And I feel like had we known that with dad, that... Um, we would have had a similar outcome. Well, I'm very grateful for our guest and her family's willingness to share this information with us. The intention I have for this podcast in the coming weeks and episodes is to provide more information that's very tangible and actionable. The reality is we're not finished. Well, we actually really want to be finished with COVID, right? It can suck it at this point, but it's just not gone and we still have to live with it. So we need to figure out intelligent and practical ways to do that. Vaccines are a tool. I support them. They're not universally um, of value because there isn't uniform risk in the population. So I do think it's important to make decisions from clarity and not fear because it's not black and white if you're really making an informed decision. I support people's rights to surrender their right to inform decision to inform decisions. I have always been a staunch patient human advocate for the right to make decisions that others might not agree with. It's the right of the competent and I have stood by that since my days in brain injury rehab when I saw what happened to people when family members didn't agree with them even though they were competent and capable. They were willing to take more risk or less or whatever. It it was a lesson that I have never has never left me. If we can't provide good information and sound rationale for people, we may not be doing a very good job educating them, or they may be accurately assessing that there's a problem. So informed consent is is something I staunchly support. And in this process, I want people to have information that they can use. I want you to go and access care if you need it. But I don't want anyone being being blindsided by the fact that vaccines don't stop transmission. They reduce it for a few months. They do reduce severity. But again, that appears to wane sometime around six to eight months, depending on the product and, and importantly, depending on the quality of the immune response, just like natural immunity. It's, it's not sterilizing either. It offers quite a lot of protection and many observational studies are suggesting it offers more substantial protection than the synthetic immunity of vaccines. Regardless, we are all need to be aware of what our body's response is. We need to respond. We certainly need to stay home when we're sick regardless of the choices we've made to buffer ourselves or not. When you're sick, stay home. It's a simple practice. Get the stuff you need. 
have it at home when you need it. Respond with rest. Respond with nutrition. Lots of fluids. Hydration is essential. Keep moving. Deep breathe. Have a little movement program that's only a few minutes, but do it several times a day. Have breathing practices. If you get very... If it gets very difficult, you lay on your belly and breathe and then on your side and then you flip to your other side and then you sit up and breathe. The most important thing to remember is not to lie in bed for two days. Move and breathe. Drink warm broths and soups and and hot water and rest. Some important nutritional considerations. Zinc helps to reduce the replication of the virus within your cells. Quercetin is a a polyphenol. It's a compound found in in a lot of um, plants. Elderberries, blueberries are really high in quercetin. You can also get it as a supplement. It, It serves as an important supporter to get zinc into the cell where it has the impact of reducing the replication. Vitamin C, vitamin D, that's more important to be taking before you want a vitamin D level in your body that's healthy for your immune system. It's hard to achieve that right away because it takes, there's a lag, right? It can take up to two weeks for that to really, your levels to shift if you change your exposure. So that's important in advance. Lots of things can just be done as you respond. Eat real food. It's, you know, it sounds so simple, but it actually is hard to do because it requires more time and often more money. And so it's a commitment. But when we know why we're making the commitment, it just kind of helps our resolve, right? Like resolve is a big part of this game. I certainly appreciate um, the opportunity to try and bring this information to everyone. So you're doing me a favor too, actually, because having this sense of purpose has really bolstered my own knowing and it's increased my intellectual health and has allowed me to foster more environmental health. And so when we look at all these dimensions of health, this project is giving me such purpose that it's helping me be positive and be a light and remind everyone that the rest of the story isn't written. So we get to write it. And and the only way we can hope for it to be written in a way we want our children to live with is if we are positive and kind and loving and inspiring to others to be the same. And if we each just did our internal work to be able to be peaceful and loving and light, well, it kind of all adds up, right? Thanks so very much for joining me today. Together, we can light the way to better health for you and our planet. You can help make this happen by subscribing, sharing this with a friend, and reaching for the stars in a review. If you would like to join me in a conversation or have a request, please reach out. I'm all ears. Check out juliebrown.health for resources and tools to help you on your way. Stay curious and keep learning.